Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Previously on Chaotic Normal, the crew of Melora's Borealis sailed through the Farvale Islands in search of a druid grove on the Azure Stand. A druid grove everyone says is cursed and dooms anyone who enters. In order to find more information, the crew sailed to a empire camp known as Camp Vengeance. There they discovered that the camp was in total disarray. They had abandoned a former camp known as Camp Righteous after it had been taken over by the undead. They decided to take a visit to this Camp Righteous because an adventurer known as Darwin Nash had sailed there to learn more about an Ancient One temple, and if anyone knows anything about Ancient One ruins or cursed druid groves, it would be this adventurer. The crew sailed down the river aboard the Naughty Dreams and encountered an undead aboard the canoe. They fought the zombie as well as a shark, and now find themselves at the entrance to Camp Righteous, the abandoned camp. Will the crew find the adventurer they seek, or will they find only the undead and other cursed treasures? Let us find out on Chaotic Normal, The Shattered Isles. Come upon an abandoned riverside camp strewn with wreckage. The tents are moldy and tattered, and all the permanent structures appear to have burned to the ground. Two intact rowboats are tied off uh, to a short dock built into the uh, beach. And north of the camp is a ridge, uh, draped with vines and hanging with great jungled trees. Um, but built into this ridge, is an 80-foot-tall stone statue carved to look like a man with a crocodile on his back. Between the statue's feet is a stone archway leading to a dark tunnel. To the left of the statue is a crude animal pen with a small panicked bird running around inside it. Other than the small panicked bird, 
there are no signs of life here. What do you do? You're kind of you're so you're in the naughty dreams. You're just off uh, you're just offshore, looking up at this at the the waste of Camp Righteous, broken tents, moldering and rotting, uh, jungle strewn and overgrown. It's clear that the the uh, nature chose to retake much of this camp as soon as it was gone. Um, there's no signs of movement. There's not even signs of corpses or anything. Uh, just an abandoned, rotten camp consumed by nature. I watch out for sharks. You see no signs of sharks. I mean, knowing us, it's always good to keep an eye out for them. <laughs> they seem they, to be following us. <laughs> to be fair, they could just be invisible. Okay, oh don't even... That's what I do. They can't learn from me. I, uh... Take my clothes off and wring them out, dry them a little bit. All right, you dry out your salty clothes. Uh, now they're salty and damp instead of wet and salty. It's a slight upgrade. <laughs> ah, that's perfect. All right. Um, I think bring us in to shore as quietly as possible and keep an eye out for any other signs of Darwin Nash. He came through here at one point, so it would seem there might be any signs of him, any footprints, any uh, another boat that may be docked somewhere. Yeah, there are two other rowboats tied to the dock. Okay, yeah, let's maybe not go to the dock. Maybe pull it up. Oh, I on... we were racing. Remember, I'm there already. I well, oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's true. Park You're in one here. of the uh, canoes. You see that the other you two boat, you see the other two rowboats are very similar to the canoe that you've uh, captured, suggesting they all came from the same location. Are there any signs of a like trap that's kind of sticking out? What like, do you mean by signs of a trap? Oh, I like any like netting on the ground that we might step on, or like uh, a you pit. can't you can't really make out any details from the river uh well i'm waiting for them to come in can i start snooping around in the canoes uh yes you've you've landed did you tie up to the dock or are you uh did you run up to the beach basically while racing i went wherever is closest so if i saw the docks first maybe i went there yeah and looking at it you see that basically like the there's maybe only a 15 foot across landing space here with a 10 foot long wooden dock um it's a pretty steep slope leading up to the island itself. And you can tell that at high tide, there's probably no beach whatsoever on this, uh, on this part of the island. Um, so it's not, it's not what I'm saying dock. It's not some grand, huge thing. It is a five foot by 10 foot area of wood. So if it's jutting out, you know, five feet or 10 yeah. feet, I would assume that I would land there because it's quicker to win yeah, grog. Yeah. All right, yeah, you've lashed to that and climbed out onto it. You're snooping through the canoes. Um, make an investigation as you're rifling through there. The rest come rowing up and see Phil already in there. Celeste, you're trying to see if there's any signs of danger here, and it's really hard to tell. Uh, though the uh, Imperials had clear-cut this area when they uh, set their camp, the area surrounding it is still dense jungle, and it seems as if the jungle has almost, through almost out of spite, grown inwards towards this open space, uh, and so the canopy is gradually shutting out and 
smothering away the light that reaches down into the forest floor. And then because it has been several months of growth um, and it is not sand in this area, uh, it's made it to where the ground is basically dense with foliage and vines and all new growth uh, that's all low to the ground and really making it very easy to hide anything in the uh, foot deep foliage. Got a 22 on the rowboat investigation. Yeah, rifling through the boats. Uh, rifling through the boats, uh, you find that uh, these boats don't look like they've suffered much wear and tear. They're clearly uh, newer or at least well cared for, so they definitely haven't been abandoned here for a while. In fact, inspecting the knots, uh, you can tell that the rope used to tie them is relatively fresh. Um, however, uh, looking through them, the boats do seem to have been picked over pretty cleanly. Um, and uh, as you're rifling through it, uh, you got a high enough that you notice there's like deep score marks along one side of the boat. Uh, okay. It looked to be like gouges as if something was stabbed in there or not. Go ahead and make a... Uh, be a perception check? Or just an intelligence check to see if you can identify what was stabbed into these. Okay. It's a uh, 19. Uh, you can tell that it looks like some sort of short uh, stone projectile had basically thudded in. Likely like a stone arrow had, had stabbed into the side of one of these boats, but fallen out because it wasn't able to embed deep enough. Can I look down in the water underneath? Is it clear enough since it's like somewhat mm-hmm. stagnant to see if there's arrowheads? Yeah. And mind you, you've gone north of the area that's oh. stagnant. Yeah. So yeah. there's the water's actually flowing here. But as you look down in the uh, sandy bank, because the lower area here is sand, I'm saying the camp is all dirt. Uh, but as you're looking around in like the sandy bank there, your hand's searching around. Um, make a survival check to see if you can turn up anything. And as Phil... Uh, is rifling through the uh, sand and uh, like, splashing around in the shallows. Uh, does the rest of the crew come in or do you stay off island? Well, if Phil uh, has made it there and has not been caught in any sort of nefarious trap, yeah, we'd probably pull up next to him. Yeah, probably yeah, better to stick together. together. Uh, 11, unless survival. Yeah, bring us in, Zelnarn. I'll, uh, we're not captain on this one, though, so I can't say that. <laughs> captain abandoned his ship. Uh, you row yourselves in and tie off at the dock, climbing onto the uh, dock. You see there's like a staircase leading up the uh, sloped, uh, the steeply sloped beach leading up to the uh, camp itself. Uh, Phil, what did you get on that survival? It was 11. 11? Um you scrambling through don't seem to find anything okay there uh i look at the knots and i'm like oh they tied them wrong and i tie like a worse knot (laughs) all right uh looking around you can see that uh so as you kind of from the beach had uh surveil the remnants of this camp there's sort of uh what is that wait one two three six points of interest here um the first point of interest uh, seems to be larger command tents. They look similar to the style of tents you saw the Imperials using uh, for their uh, the command HQ at the la- at Camp Vengeance, and same tent they were using as like a field hospital back at Camp Vengeance. 
So you see a pair of those command tents um, in amidst wreckage, and then you see that there is smaller, uh, more uniform tents, also similar to what you saw at Camp Righteous or sorry, Camp Vengeance. Um, these are clearly soldier tents, and these seem to be in moldering ruins. Although there might be something in there if you want to pick through them. In the distance, you notice that it looks like there is some sort of uh, uh, like on the southern side, just past the command tents you see what looks like um, a small building that they had been making, uh, like out of actual lumber instead of tents, that has collapsed. Um, and uh, it looks to be charred. And then there is what looks like an animal pen up by the base of this statue. Uh, and there is a small frantic bird rushing around in the animal pen, clearly in distress. And just beyond the animal pen is a uh, pair of latrines. And then finally, of course, is the large uh, statue that looks like a man with a crocodile on his shoulders that sits carved into the cliff face um, with between its legs a on like a yawning like opening leading into the statue itself. Can I go check out the animal pen? Yeah, uh, you climb your way up the steps, passing by the command tents and the soldiers' tents to head to the uh, animal pen. Um, you head towards the animal pen. You can tell it's clearly meant to keep uh, pigs and goats and other livestock, although the uh, any livestock and pigs are long gone from here, either taken by the Imperials when they fled, eaten by the undead, or devoured by the various beasts of the jungle. And speaking of beasts of the jungle, there is a small, the small bird rushes frantically around in here. The creature, let me describe it for you. Uh, the creature looks kind of like a uh, vibrant, or sorry, this one looks like a, uh, sorry. Uh, it seems to have dark, uh, kind of scattered fur or like scattered down across pink skin. Uh, it's clearly a juvenile bird. Um, however, there's some color burgeoning on its down, suggesting that when it's fully grown, it's supposed to have rich, vibrant tropical colors to it. Uh, but the telltale thing that gives away what kind of bird this creature is, is the fact that one, it, despite being a fledgling, it sits maybe a foot, foot and a half tall and then two is the distinctive shape of its beak. Uh, the beak is sharp and protruding and wedges outwards going both up and down, uh, looking like the head of an axe. As you look at this juvenile uh, axe beak in front of you, uh, this juvenile bird in front of you, you recognize it as an axe beak, or I guess a fledgling axe beak. So not quite a uh, baby, but... Uh, not ready enough to like flap and flutter. Is there like signs of a mama bird nearby? Or like figuring out why this bird is distressed and alone as a baby? Yeah, make a nature check. Or actually, animal handling, sorry. I always forget that animal handling is a skill. Got 11. Um, you don't see, or you can tell that this thing's clearly distressed and in a panic. Um, and you do know that its screeches could, or are very, or usually these axe beaks, when they screech in this way, it draws other axe beaks in the area into a uh, very aggressive but very uh, frenzied uh, state. Oh, 
However, it's also rare that one that a beast like this is left unaccompanied, so it must have not been in here for long. Um, so you don't see any signs that there are like a parents or a mama bird nearby, but you can tell that it's screeching and panic, or that its current panic, if it escalates to screeching, is likely to draw Axbeaks. Is there a way I can, like, help it, or is it better to just, like, leave it? Well, it seems to be stuck in the pen as you uh, as you'll hit the enclosure. It looks like it somehow climbed into the enclosure, but because it is too young to fly, or even, like, hot flap, it can't get itself out. You could open the enclosure to let the thing go. Yeah, I'll do that. Silly little bird. How'd you jump in here? You can't even jump. Uh, You find the latch, and as you lift it, uh, the wood's old and moldering and kind of sticks, but eventually you pull it open, pulling the gate open, and the creature looks at you as you're kind of standing in the open gate, and it looks... uh, or It seems to uh, stare you down for a minute as if wondering, should it charge you? Make an animal handling check. Twelve. Uh, the little fledgling bird decides that it should, in fact, charge you. Uh, and it rushes towards you with a... And as it runs straight towards you with its little axe-like beak, it tries to slash into you for twelve to hit. That's a miss. Uh, you sidestep it in the two points of slashing damage it would have dealt. It cuts in the air and then turns and runs off into the bushes, beguying as it goes. Uh, you get inspiration for helping the little animal. Yes. Meanwhile, as uh, Celeste is helping a uh, baby ax- or a fledgling axe beak out of this pen, what are the rest of you up to? There's the command tents. There's this ruined, burned-out structure. There's latrines. Uh, there's soldier tents, and there are there is of course this large statue with the uh, clear ruin or like a uh, abandoned shrine inside it. Uh, Rubert is going to check out the command tents. Phil's going to go use the latrines, <laughs> <laughs> and Jules is going to check out the statue and see if she can remember any of the. Uh... I don't know, historical or religious significance here that might point in direction. Heinz Zeltnern was going to join Jules at the statues. Alright, so Zeltnern and uh, Jules step off towards the large statue that's like 80 feet tall of the man with a crocodile on his back, um, or on his like shoulders. Meanwhile, uh, Ruber, you step off towards the command tents, and Phil, you go to use the latrines. We'll start with uh, start with Rubert. Uh, Rubert, you step off towards the uh, command tents. As you get closer and closer towards it, um, you can see that there's uh, so there's basically two large, like twenty foot across tents here, and then the ruins of where one was meant to be. Um, it looks like, uh, or as you pull open the first tent, it's clear. It looks like everything of value from this tent was removed. Um, at some point, uh, likely by the uh, Imperials when they came back to loot the scene of the disaster to scavenge what they could. Um, but everything of value has been uh, removed in here, uh, at least at obvious first glance. Do you want to poke around inside it or no? Yeah, I do want to poke around. Are there, like, what's left in here? Uh, you see there's just, like, you see there's a bedroll in the corner and, like, just a few, like, 
pieces of like old gear kind of stacked around, but it's pretty clear like there's not anything good unless there was something missed, which would require an investigation to poke around. Yeah, I'll start with like the bedroll, see if there's anything in the bedroll, under the bedroll, and I'll start checking the uh, packs of stuff with an investigation of eight. Rivera, as you're poking around, uh, you at one point reach down for a bag, but you notice something coiled underneath it. Red touches yellow? I think that's the one that means you're a dead fellow. Yeah, you're a dead fellow. Uh, you pull your hand back, uh, having gotten at least a uh, five on the investigation, so you don't notice, or so you notice the poisonous snake hiding in the bag before uh, you grab the bag. You leave that bag aside and kind of look at the other places and realize there's nothing in here. This has just become a little dark space for uh, snakes to hide. Why did it have to be snakes? Do you wrangle up any of the poisonous snakes or do you go and investigate the other command tent? Uh, no, I'll leave the snakes. I don't, I'm not not uh, well versed in animal handling, so I'll check out the other tent. Uh, the other command tent uh, seems in stark contrast to the first one, which was basically abandoned snake pit. This den or this tent seems well used. There are three cots set up in it um, uh, that look like they've. It looks like one of them has been freshly used. There is a desk in the corner, uh, like a strong wooden desk in the corner, covered in journals and sextants and other navigator's tools. You see that there is a bottle of ink uh, that's been uncorked sitting on it and still isn't dried. And there's even a quill resting on the page. Uh, as you look around the scene, it's very it, it immediately presents itself as an active field research tent. This is has been used recently and is well maintained. Hmm. Uh, I'll check the current journal entry on the table. Also, keeping a hand on my sword just in case danger approaches. Uh, you look at or, sauntering over to the table. You look at the journal, flipping through a few pages of it. Uh, it becomes immediately clear that these are the uh, exploration catalogs of. Darwin Nash. Um, so uh, the first page you open up, yeah, that makes it, or and as you're reading through it, reads, My expedition aboard the Gilded Aristocat set forth from Port Providence today. My contacts have informed me that my pupil started her journey in Las Islas de Arcanistas. Therefore, I've chosen to begin my expedition upon those islands as well. The sooner I can find Isabella, the sooner I can put an end to her ridiculous and dangerous idea of adventuring alone. I hope to find her on Castle Island soon to ensure I have her assistance for the important research projects to come. With my guides at hand, I traverse the jungles of Castle Island, hoping to find any sign of the ruined castle for which the island was named, and for any signs of my apprentice should she be here. The island has countless small caverns and sinkholes that could be easily used to hide men or goods. My scouts reported several goblin ambushes hiding in such places. Considering the proximity to Port Providence, it's likely that these caverns are being used to sm store smuggled goods. I've ordered my cartographer to duplicate the map of the caverns and provide it to the authorities of Port Providence. Uh, you see that there is a map sketched out below that, that when you look at it, it looks like it's a map of one of the th Trace Arcanistas. You've explored one when you found the sunk... Uh, the, uh, the 
Sunless Citadel. Um, but this is one of the other two islands, Castle Island, named for the supposed castle built on it, though no one ever sees that castle. Uh, most notable of these caverns, the uh, passage continues, is that which contains the castle itself. We finally found it after nearly an er, nearly an hour of tracking, and found that it is not tangled in the jungle atop the island, but rather has fallen into the very uh, center of it. The castle is collapsed. Despite the reluctance of my team, I prepared a well-equipped expedition into these castle ruins, which I quickly confirmed are ruins of the Ancient Ones. I felt such joy at, confirmation, at this confirmation, but to my utmost dismay, I discovered as well that goblin tribes have been nesting here for far too long. Any relics of the Ancient Ones have been destroyed with the ruins, and with them any information about the nature of those beings. The Batiri goblins are a blight upon the Shattered Isles, and my anger for their disrespect for such artifacts knows no bounds, and bounds has been underlined three times. Once it became clear that the delve into the ruins was of no value, I called a halt to it and ordered everyone to return to the gilded aristocrat. I have no time nor resources to waste on sites that have already been ruined by goblins. We departed the island just after dark, but not before I drafted a letter to return to Port Providence informing the council of the goblin menace and strongly encouraging a force be sent to cure the island of their wretched presence. And it's uh, this is dated about four months ago. Uh, you fl you close that one looking for a newer one as it seems like he was updating that uh, and you find another st uh, story about um, something somewhere called Crane Island an island dedicated to the worship of a kraken as a god the cultists according to Darwin Nash here uh, believe that the cult fanatic one Denison Crane who first landed on the island and for whom it's named is teaching them to worship Melora. However, they are actually, or er, they believe he's teaching them to worship Melora in a pure and druidic way. However, they are being seduced to the island, sinking their ships as an offering to, and live their life there. Uh, however, there are 10 members uh, who have joined into this cult uh, with another 13 supposedly on the way. I have a, er, and it seems to be just detailing rumors that he has heard. You see a few more things like that, and it seems as if, as you're scanning through this, he is searching for Isabella Deascar, his supposed pupil, uh, and has been trying to follow rumors of where she is. Another story talks about Air, uh, Eyes Isle. Eyes Isle. Boy, that is an annoying name for me to write. E Y E S I S L E. Eyes Isle. I think Isle of Eyes might be better. Eyes Isle! <laughs> um, where it's apparently reported that it's a wild island where it, there's nothing but beasts that live. But it's said that uh, it's said that the beasts are all devoted servants to Melora uh, and that they are the favored creatures of Melora and that anyone who hunts anything there um uh, is punished by her. Worse, it's said that every beast on the island is blessed with true sight out to 120 feet. That's right. That means parrots, fish, vermin, and any other animal native to the island can see through invisibility and illusions. That matters pretty much not at all to animals on an island, but it still exists. 
Ooh, getting like a parrot, one of those as a pet, yeah, would be awesome, though. But he uh, he also says that there's apparently on Eye's Isle a giant ape of such incredible proportions that black alchemists out of Pesseland are building an expedition to try and capture. It's not going to end well. They're going to take it to the big city and it's going gonna, it's gonna to steal pretty lady. <laughs> uh, so as you find, flip through his books, having found, uh, you know, perhaps several leads there, one about... Uh, a ruined castle uh, in L- the Tres Arcanistas called on Castle Island. Another about a uh, Kraken cult on Crane Island and about a be- or an island full of true sight bearing beasts with a giant ape that black alchemists are seeking on Eyes Isle. Uh, you finally re- uh, flip to a current uh, section where uh, it's clear this is in ball. fact... Does the, yeah. crane, does the description of the Crane Isle sound like the Temple of Melora it, that we discovered? It sounds very similar. Okay. Uh, the other one did not have the... The story of Warthal Kiel was that it was a group of Kraken worshippers who turned away from the Kraken to worship Melora, and then the Kraken in its anger, Valstuge, crushed the city into the ocean. This seems to be an inverse of that, of people who believe they're worshipping Melora, but are actually being tricked into being cultists of a kraken. Uh, though it does seem Crane Isle is located in uh, the uh, Mermaid Isles, so it's in the same area as Warthal Keel. Hmm. Weird. Okay. Sorry, the Merfolk Isles. Um... But you reach finally a modern one, and you see that a uh, current one, uh, and it is clearly Darwin Nash describing his uh, experience since landing here on uh, at Camp Righteous. It is very clear as soon as you hop into it that uh, he hasn't had a lot of time to properly journal. Right now, it's just notes being written down. Uh, it details camp is a mess. Getting situated has been difficult. Worse, there was a, there's clear signs of goblin activity. Uh, organized men to hold against goblins. Men won't go into the, uh, into the statue, but I need at least one of them with me to do it. It won't work without at least two of us. Men keep refusing, are afraid of the goblins. They think we should make camp elsewhere in the woods. I've told them that's foolish. If you go farther into the woods, the dead will find them, let alone the goblins. The goblins fear this place. They won't come here while we're present. Men have gone into the woods to try and make new shelter away from the statue. They are cowards. The men have not come back. Two of the men came back. They were dead. I've put one on a boat and sent it south. Hopefully okay. someone at Camp Vengeance gets the message. And what that message seems to... was he trying to send? And it's clear that one was written this morning. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know. Meanwhile, uh, Jules and uh, Zelnern, you've made it to the base of the statue. Uh, you Here you see that it's basically there is 
with great, or you see this cliff face is draped with heavy vines, thick as your arm, that fall across this statue, basically submerging it and shielding it. They fly, they flail out towards you, and again, you are in bright sunlight, but the canopy around seems to be looming over as if desperately trying to close in, to shut this way away, this place away from the visibility of the sun, as if to hide this place from Melora. And as you look up at the statue, you see that each foot is easily 10 feet across by 15 to 20 feet deep. The legs are massive, thick columns that go up carved, not crudely, but they're not, it's not an expert carving. It's the, it's a, basically a smooth shape of what a leg would be, carving up to knee joints that arc back, or that arch back to the shape of a man not quite sitting, but in a hunched over, painful squatting position with a great crocodile born on his uh, shoulders uh, and its head resting on top of his head, which is pushed and hunched down. The immediate appearance of this is of a, it almost looks like a man with a serpent's head at first note. But then the, uh, as you note, like, oh no, there's carved beneath that uh, crocodile's head is a human head. You realize it is a crocodile creature crushing down on a human man. You look at this statue, and I'll let you make history checks to see if, uh, the two of you make history checks to see if you know anything about this magnificent statue that clearly has an arched doorway between its legs. That's pretty impressive if you haven't seen as much dwarven architecture as I have. I've got a 21. Crit. Nice. Wow. You've, uh, you both look at it, and as you kind of like piece parts together, and it's finally once you see that it's not a serpent-headed man, it is a man carrying a crocodile on its back, uh, that you both recall a story that's often told are said to be a tale from the ancient ones themselves. In the early days of the world, man stood by the banks of a river, frightened. Crocodile raised his head from the water and asked, What troubles you, cousin man? Man said, I must cross this river, but I fear to enter the water alone, because it teems with your brethren. Crocodile replied, It's true, you would not be safe. But I will carry you across the river safely on my back if you promise only to return the favor. Man agreed, and Crocodile bore him safely across the water. When they reached the far bank, Man asked, How can I repay you? Crocodile replied, I wish to see the realm of humans, but I fear to go there alone because it teems with your brethren. You must carry me on your back across your realm. Man had been tricked, but a promise is a promise. So he carried Crocodile safely on his back across the entire realm of humans, a journey that lasted many years. He also swore in his anger that never again would men and crocodiles be friends, and so it has remained to this day. The tale being a uh, story that's said to be attributed to the ancient ones in the area uh, clearly is a uh, effort to explain why crocodiles and men typically don't like each other. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably it. Do you do anything with that information? Um. (laughs) I'm not totally clear where to go with that one. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you asked if there was historical significance to it, and there indeed is. Well, let's uh, go inside, I guess. You wanna go in? Should we listen? Uh, we should be. Um, you know, I, I used to be a little more cavalier about this sort of thing, but these days I like to uh, get my keep my eyes about me before going into these types of structures. Um, are there any traps I can see? Does there seem to be any sort of... Well, I'm going to let you guys know this. I'm never going to answer yes to the question, are there any traps I can see? <laughs> uh, you so can tell what's... me how you're attempting to investigate for traps, and I will. In... That, that can reveal things. But Okay, I will... Yeah. Um... Well, here's the thing. So Jules knows a lot more about uh, medieval traps than I do, which is a bit of a trick. Um, so uh, Jules investigates the entrance for various types of traps, like trip wires and pressure plates and like uh, golden statues that are very particular weight that you'd maybe need a bag of properly weighed sand to counterbalance that kind of thing there's seven of those oh, uh, shit. so what, what, you run. what you see basically from where you're standing at the foot of the dais is there's a five foot staircase leading up to a platform uh that platform is a smooth stone platform leading up into like carved smooth stone leading till it uh, reaches the cliff itself where it kind of blends into the cliff that it's carved out of. It's upon these t- this platform that there's these two massive stone feet with these great uh, pillar-like legs stretching up. And it's between those two pillar-like legs that there's basically a 10-foot corridor created that disappears deep into darkness behind the uh, behind the statue. Or within the statue. Clearly disappearing into a cavern within the cliff. Uh, however, as you uh, gaze down into it, it is pure blackness inside. Uh, do either of you have dark vision, low light vision, anything like that? Oh, no. I don't think so. I'll get a torch. Uh, Zelner, in striking a torch, the light glows out in, and you can see that the entrance to this uh, tunnel, basically, this or this passage into this between the legs, uh, it's clearly strewn with the common detritus of nature leaves, dirt, small animal bones, uh, various things scattered and tucked away within here. But there's no, uh, there, there's no like, so basically the ground is dirty and covered and scattered with litter, making it to where something could be hidden in there if you, maybe. Uh, the vines dre- uh, drape, uh, the walls drape with vines and are thick with lichen across the, the weathered stone. However, about 10 feet in, or about 15 feet past the beginning of the feet, so 10, 15 feet into this passage, you see that there is tattered old cloth worn away by time, but still kind of obscuring view beyond about 15 feet in. Do you want to go first? Does that robe of the patches have the standard ones as well as random ones, or are they all random? All random. Okay. So the patches, when you look at them, have nothing on them until you roll them. Got it. Um, hmm, a little hard to know when to use that. Well, I reach out with my mage hand, and I push on the ground 
in the entrance with the maximum weight I can. All right, your mage hand presses at the ground, and it presses against the hard stone. It's clearly been chiseled and cut and scraped meticulously with old tools. This is not the work of great magic, nor the work of modern, uh, like, technology, you know, like hoes and uh, wet saws and stuff. What's the word? Um, oh, I, lathe, lathes. This has clearly been smoothed out painstakingly, almost devotedly with chisels. And as your hand, your mage hand scrapes against it, kind of scatters the detritus on the ground. But it doesn't seem as if there's anything going on in this first, like, 15 feet before the uh, tattered cloth in front. All right. Well, at a certain point, our bravery will have to guide us down there. I'm ready if you are. Let's do this. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> Actually, wait, before we go in... <laughs> All right, let's, let's hold off a second. No, I'll spend a few minutes uh, casting. You know, we got to do everything at its proper time, right, Zolnerd? Um, I'll exactly. spend a few minutes casting Detect Magic as a ritual. Um, so as you're casting Detect Magic, uh, and this is at the same time that... Uh, Celeste has just let the axe beak out and like dodged away from it as it makes its guffaw noises. Rubert is uh, searching, there's like reading through the journals of uh, Darwin Nash, like skimming them. Uh, we cut to Phil, who has gone to take a shit. Uh, <laughs> which inspiration for that? Uh, <clears throat> you step up to the, uh, or you've stepped up to the latrines. You've gone inside one of them. Uh, fortunately for you, despite being a tropical uh, wooden outhouse in the jungle that's been abandoned for five months, uh, it isn't too horrendous inside. Um, as you set yourself down upon the, uh, I guess, toilet seat there uh, to use it, I guess, the wooden uh, bench, um, you can't help but realize that there is something... Like, Well, your latrine seems to be relatively fine. There is a smell coming through. Not a shit smell, but a rotting death-like smell. Okay. And Man, uh, They really put this thing to work. <laughs> my pants are around my ankles at this point. I'm looking around for reading material. Do I see anything? Uh, you actually do find a old worn copy of a... Uh, it's like clearly been rolled up, but it's a copy of... But looks like the uh, it's called the the Iron Testament. Uh, looking at it, though, it is written entirely in Infernal, and it is clearly the holy text of the uh, priests of the Ecclesiarchy of uh, the Empire. Okay, um, can I look to like the side of the stall? Has anyone carved anything into it? Maybe you know, like uh, I don't know. Yeah, I pull out you... my knife and start to write. Phil was here. Yeah, and as you're right, you're scratching and Phil was here, you see one that says the Commandant sucks and uh, another one that says uh, Dis will come for all of us. Uh, you see another one that says dead or walking, dead or walking and then beneath that it says yeah, no, that's just you and then another one says, that's not nice. He's trying to, you know, like there's basically chat room arguments going on in here, uh, yeah. but nothing seems to betray much information. Um, 
commandant makes a gold, I make a copper. <laughs> That's why I shit on Empire time. <laughs> yeah. I uh, tear out a page out of the Ecclesiarchy Bible and wipe my ass with it. Uh, you do that and uh, die. No, uh, you do that and as it hits below, you hear a... <laughs> coming from the latrine hole oh god uh i immediately just shoot up with my pants around my ankles and turn around (laughs) uh you look down into the uh the latrine hole and i I shit you not uh you see that you see that during the attack on the camp clearly one of the imperial men had their courage fail them and hoping to hide from the undead hordes he must have hid himself from the undead by climbing down into this latrine. He survived the attack, but clearly couldn't climb out of the reeking pit by himself oh, and no. died of thirst within days. Since then, his un- or his corpse has animated into an undead that is now trapped in the shitter beneath you. Uh, as you've lunged your way off, you look back to see its hands reaching up where just barely its fingertips crest the edge of the toilet seat. <laughs> oh. I, is there a lid? I close the lid. There is no lid. Oh. All right. Uh, I pull up my britches and I close the door. Um, I, I, I guess I, I pull out my arcane firearm and then I want to open the door to the other one. The other uh tree. You open the door to the other latrine, and uh, this this latrine seems fine. So that death and decay smell was below me then. Okay. Yeah. Um, this latrine seems fine, uh, and your business is done in here without issue. Okay. Yeah, I finish up. Uh, same thing here. I want to see if there's, you know, just reading material or if anyone sprawled <laughs> anything on the inside. It's much of the same, but there's no Ecclesiar. There's no Iron Testament here. Okay. Um, um, I take the Iron Testament book with me um, and I connect with the party. As you step out of the latrine, though, you actually hear footfalls in the jungle on your left. Your head turns that direction and you find yourself eye to eye with a man stepping around a tree. He has the look of a man who hasn't showered in several days and has been out here in the jungle. He looks sweaty and stained, uh, sweat stained, but otherwise he looks like his clothes are well put together. He's clearly in his fifties, um, and he's, he stops his eyes wide, or his bespectacled eyes wide at the sudden sight of you emerging from the latrine. He's already reaching for a cutlass at his side when he suddenly notices you're not a corpse, and in fact says, "You're not a corpse." No, I'm not, but there's one in the left stall. The right one's fine, though. He says, Of course, that's why I haven't been using... Those latrines are supposed to be off-limits. And you notice notice that this man returning from the jungle uh, has a stack of paper under his arms as well. Is that better to wipe with, or what do you got there? Hey, for a second, Uh, too... He looks down at it and... uh, Well... Yes, but who are you? Okay, I'm going to put my pistol away. Can you just keep your hand off your sword for a second? He immediately draws his hand and says, of course, of course, sorry, I just, you see there's a corpse right in one of those, and I 
suddenly seeing a man walking out of the... Again, who are you? Where did you come from? Uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm Danny. Danny Ocean. Um, I'm... I, let me speak... I'm Danny let me Ocean. Let speak candidly. Uh, I'm not really the talker around here. Um, is this your is this your camp? Are you camped here? He kind of re- recollecting himself. Clearly, the jarring nature of seeing what he thought was a zombie stumbling out of a toilet. Uh, he kind of collects himself. Says, "My apologies." Uh, and he does like a short bow and says, uh, "Darwin Nash, famous explorer, charter, and navigator, at your service. Paramount researcher of the ancient ones." And uh, this is my camp, such as such as a camp without any camp helpers could be. Okay. Uh, hey, let's... You know, I don't mean you any harm. I actually have a... One of my my colleagues is aware of you. Let's walk back. I, I think uh, they have some questions for you or some. All right, Danny, lead the way. Uh, he returns back with you. Um and starts heading towards his command tent. Rubert, you hear footfalls coming and voices talking. Are you still in the command tent flipping through these journals? Uh, or do you emerge, sneak out of it so you're not found in the act? Uh, as I hear the footsteps, I'll like pull my sword out of its sheath a little bit. Is it glowing? That is a very interesting question. Does the uh, sword of warning act as a guaranteed success on in- like a magical insight? Uh, just warns of danger. So shouldn't it always be glowing because you need food? Uh, <laughs> uh, the sword is not glowing. Okay. I'll resheath it, and then I'll just like, oh, uh, oh, is there like a chair in here? Uh, maybe like a glass of brandy, so I can look confident as they come in. You see, that there is wine, and or the decanter of wine, and there is a chair. Okay, yeah, I'll pull, I'll pull up the chair really quick to the center of the room, pour myself a glass of the wine, and like sit cross-legged, sword like hand on my sword. All right, uh, the two or and as they're walking towards there, uh, Jules and uh, Zelnern, you and or you're kind of somewhat in the. Or I guess you overhear that there's or you overhear Phil talking to somebody, uh, but this is just or this is while Jules is mid, uh, what's the word? ritual uh to detect magic meanwhile celeste you've let that act speak out and you see this commotion going on over the tent so you reasonably come on over so jules and zelner you're still at the bay or just just inside the statue uh working this spell while celeste you uh catch up to phil as he walks darwin nash towards the command tent uh and um Darwin Nash seeing, or sorry, as you walk it up, you're headed your way over there as Phil walks Darwin Nash back to the tents. Darwin Nash steps into the command tent uh, with Phil at his side to find Rubert Graysand seated in his chair, drinking his wine. Uh, Darwin Nash, I presume. I've been expecting you. Who are you people? That's, and then he sees that bottle and he says, and you see there's a clear frustration on his face and, and immediately says, that bottle was to be saved for when the dig is complete. 
It's a fine vintage, I must say. That's why it's to be saved. Oh, my apologies, but you can't let a good vintage like this go to waste. Uh, He looks a little taken aback by that and says, Is that a threat? (sighs) No, no, of course. I would never presume to threaten you. I am Rubert Graysand. Are you presenting yourself as friendly or are you trying to be intimidating to this person? I guess friendly. Because the circumstances so far feels very threatening. (laughs) Yeah, Rubert doesn't really know the difference. (laughs) So, like, he's trying to be friendly, but he's coming off as intimidating. Alright, uh, Darwin Nash looks a little uncomfortable in this space. So, seriously, who are you people? I am Rubert Graysand. I see you've already met... Uh, Danny. Danny Ocean. Yes, you've met my associate. I have met Danny Ocean, yes. And uh, you said Rubert? Yes, Rubert Graysand. Captain of the Malora's Borealis. Malora's Borealis. You're the ship that... uh, You're that crew in service to... You're one of Prime Water's uh, mercantile ships, aren't you? Yeah, so yeah. you've, uh, you're in, sir, you explored the Sunless Citadel. That is correct. He kind of muses and says, I myself once delved into the Sunless Citadel, though, uh, found it quite lacking. Mm, did you you're... get, bu- did you get behind the, uh, snake door? Oh, yes, our efforts were very fruitful. You didn't get behind the snake door. I, I know. <laughs> Deception check on. Uh, I guess very fruitful. Okay, okay. Uh, he nods and he says, "You are seeking the panacea. You know what it actually is, right?" Yeah, it makes vampires or something. Yes, there's a reason I refused that job when Prime Water asked me to do it. Of course. Uh, only a fool would have given such succulent fruit away. Not only that, but prime water means to spread its seeds far and wide to find a way to make it grow. He means to do the work of the drowned fleet. Yes, but you would have to understand the properties in which to do that. I mean, only the ancient ones know such secrets. He shakes his head and he says, The secrets of the Ancient Ones aren't as secret as they used to be. The goblins might have destroyed most, but if you look hard enough at any Ancient One's site, you can find a little bit of what they used to know. A little bit of their old science. Wait, how do you know so much about us? You you open the door, uh, or you're, you're standing at the tent. He turns and says, Yeah, he didn't even notice another, me. I want to Another one out. to your party. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> I All I know is what the stories I've heard come down from Port Providence about the Melora's Borealis of Rubert's Graysand. Yes. I only hear vague words, stories told. But all I make of them it good, my. I hope. Well, so far all I've heard is good pirate hunters and uh, explorers with it with a respect for the ancient ones. Yes. That is all correct. Though I will say pirate hunting is 
something I appreciate out on these seas. It is a bit too much of a dangerous body trade for my taste. A little too barbaric to go out hunting men. Kind of shudders and says, Discovery, wonder, exploration. That's the game of Darwin Nash. Not bounty hunting, as such as it is. Well, I think we do have some interests that would see eye to eye. We... I'd imagine so, as you found yourself here at Camp Righteous. Are you here on behalf of the Commandant at Camp Vengeance? Uh, he gave us an idea of the situation, but we do not adhere to his rule. But we, yes, uh, the situation piqued our interest, and we thought that uh, it was uh, worth exploring and maybe providing some help to those that need it. Oh, he nods and he says, Well, I appreciate that greatly. Uh, he points off towards the uh, towards the statue and says, You see, I'm in need of help from someone, at least one person, to be able to delve deeper into uh, deeper into this uh, house of the man and the crocodile. I believe at the end there is a relic, an ancient uh, relic of the or a relic of the ancient ones. That on it, uh, if what I'm, if what I've heard and the rumors I've gathered is true, this relic should contain a bit of lithography that will allow me to translate the ciphers in their code, or be, help as a key to the ciphers in their codes. Darwin Nash explains that he believes that within the temple is an old relic of the ancient ones with lithography on it that can give him basically the cipher key to uh, decode other information he has from the Ancient Ones and bring him a step closer to finding the gateway to the uh, Forbidden City, as he calls it. Um, but as he uh, explains that, he says, But my whole crew is a bunch of foolish, superstitious cowards that refused to delve into that... Uh, they refuse to delve into the house of the man and crocodile. But maybe you all will be willing to help me out better than, uh, them. At this point, my only other idea was to, uh, capt I captured a young axe beak that I've locked up in a pen there, and I was going to use it as a canary in the coal mine to sort of suss out where traps might be. Is that why you want our help? To just poke around and set off traps for you? No, if I... If that's what the axe beak is for. Mm. But what I need you for is overcoming these traps. It's what I needed my crew for. Celeste, do you share that you've uh, let the axe beak go? No, because he hasn't asked for my name yet. <laughs> he turns back towards you and says, And by the way, what's your name? Oh, it's so nice that you asked. I'm Celeste. Nice to meet you, Mr. Nash. Uh, he nods and says, You have a look about you. Are your family islanders? Are they for originally... Are your ancestors originally from these lands? Yes. I could tell there was a hint of elvish in you. That is true. My grandma's elvish. Elf. And those, those markings on you, those tattoos, those are... I've seen similar on uh, detailed in various statues and not. 
uh, he seems to then like as, as he talks to you he, he seems to then know about the uh, your fam not your family specifically he's not like hey this specific family member of yours uh, but seems to know about the uh, basically ancestry you have and has heard about that and as he talks about it it is from an anthropologist talking to a subject of study perspective but he does seem informed of it and uh, culturally appreciative you're familiar with the circle of the stars indeed deep connections to the ancient ones if you are if you are studying the ancient ones you have to study all of the peoples they subjugated it is true i guess well captain rubert was it yeah. is this your whole crew no there are two others um at this which... point jules your uh, magic finishes and you sense powerful magic emanating from within this tomb. The whole of it seems to radiate, to pulse as if constantly aware, as if checking, as if uh, basically there seems to be abjuration magic emanating from everything in this uh, building. Like the very house of, uh, the very house of man and crocodile itself is magical. I think Jules like basically falls back and like onto the ground from the overwhelming sensation of all this magic. Jules, be careful. Watch where you're going. Selnern, we... This place is heavy. We, I'm so glad we didn't go in there. Um, I, I can't even tell. It's so, so overwhelming. There's so many things I can't even tell what's what. The whole thing is just a big ball of some kind of protective magic. Is it good magic or bad magic? All you could tell was it was abjuration magic. Uh, an inspiration for uh, your level of, of awe. Um, <laughs> and as, as you explain this to Zelnern, at this point, Darwin, Nash, Phil, Rubert, and Celeste have been exiting the command tent to join you there. And Darwin remarks, Ah, well, of course it's full of magic. This was a uh, temple built by the... Uh, the more uh, barbarous peoples of these islands that the subjects of the ancient ones they believed and he points to the uh, uh, he points to the statue they believed that by carrying the ancient ones or crocodile as uh, symbolized here across the uh, waves they would one day be rewarded Although, as we all know this tale, and he points to it and explains that very same tale, as we all know that tale, they were themselves tricked and oppressed like this. They have shut away their magical gifts given to them by the Ancient Ones and built this temple both out of reverence and out of abhorrence. It is both devotion and repulsion. And it's up to us to delve inside, bypass all of the secret wards they've created, and steal away that treasure they sought to hide. In the name of discovery. You want to take their relics? They're like sacred relics? Yes. In the name of discovery? discovery. In the name of discovery, an expedition. What does it, what does that do for you? Or anyone. He, he looks at you as if you've just asked, why does a man breathe? 
and life says, as a man There eyes. is no purpose to life but to uncover. Science is the pure driver of existence. Science with a good conscience is all that matters in this world. When we discover, we give life to these people who once were. Otherwise, they sit here forgotten. But when we go in there and we find this Ancient One relic, with it we can uncover all of the experiences, the passionate work of these old ancient peoples, these forgotten peoples, and we can use that uh, relic to find even more wonders, to find the Forbidden City. And he says that with a marvel in his eyes. You know, I too believe that wonders could be uncovered just this morning when I was looking at the stars. Melora showed me how the Evoker was coming to the horizon, which I feel like brings good wheel to us. He rolls his eyes and says, Fortune-telling and divination is poppycock. The future is for us to take in our own hands. Ugh, you remind me of my, uh... He like, just kind of almost dismissing you with a hand wave. says, Ugh, you remind me of my pupil, caring so much for these divinations. Well, it's kind of funny for you to say, because isn't there a bunch of magic in here that you have to worry about? There is indeed magic, but we need to simply overcome it. Can't you just, like, dispel magic with your science? He looks at you. Like, dispel magic. That's, like, a thing we can do. I am not myself a spellcaster, but I can tell you that it would take quite a powerful spellcaster to suppress any magic present here. I can tell you that for certain. I believe on a Mordenkainen scale or a Vancian method, they assign this to ninth level magic. Oh, that's that's high, is it right? I look to Jules and Celeste. It felt, it felt high. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it was big. Big magic. What are you asking, Celeste? Oh, I was asking Jules if they felt high. <laughs> yeah, I'm extremely high right now. Yeah, magic does that, man. I get it. Darwin Nash t- returns your attention back to the uh, to the temple there and says, "So we'll simply grab the axe beak and have it enter first. It will trigger traps, and then we will figure out how to say where'd the axe beak go." Do any of you know where that axe beak went? What is an axe beak? Axe beak. Is this some kind of tool? It is a very common sharp bird. Was that what was in the outhouse? No, that no, was... that was a zombie man. Oh. Uh, There's Celeste. a zombie man in the outhouse? <laughs> Celeste, I need well, you to deception check. Zombie man in the outhouse? <laughs> Uh, Celeste, as he's asking, does anyone know where the axe beak went? His eyes then fall on the druid in the group. Of why, course. Why do you, you assume l- it's me? You let the axe speak out, didn't you? What? Why are you looking straight at me? <laughs> Celeste, you clearly let it go. <laughs> we then do not have an axe beak. Let's let bygones be bygones and find instead our way to solve this little problem. We do have a Zelnern. Yeah, I could be an Axe Beak too. Um, I have a sharp shell, but um, 
Yeah, we can go through, but we're gonna be got my speed if I'm gonna lead, okay? You know, we also have a zombie man. That's a brilliant idea. If you could dredge the zombie man out, I'm not comfortable with sending one man simply ahead to poke around to find traps. The This magic is surely powerful, and I fear it could kill you without us having any chance to help you. Or worse. Now, the zombie man, if he was able to get in, though I have reason to believe this place has been forbiddenced, meaning that no uh, undead fae, fiends, celestials, or elementals can step foot within it. Did that mention undead? I believe so, but I also felt like I meant left one out. Fae, fiends, undead, celestials, or <laughs> elementals uh, from entering. Hmm. I mean, we can at least give it a shot. Mm-hmm. The downside to that shot is we have a uh, zombie coated in foul, diseased excrement running around trying to attack us. Oh, I can wash him off. Uh, I got an idea. Can I actually uh, take corpse- the time to do magical tinkering and do like the odor one? What does that do? Uh. Uh, the object continuously emits your choice of an odor or sound. The chosen phenomenon is perceivable from 10 feet away. <laughs> I'm going to work on this so it doesn't smell like shit when we put them in there. Do you so, magically create a bottle of Febreze? Uh, no, it's going to smell like, um, uh, what is it called? Tobacco Vignette or whatever, the Tom Ford. It's like a really, it, Phil starts to smell like really nice cologne. <laughs> While I appreciate the sense, says uh, Nash, I fear it won't be enough. This thing has been sitting in diseased excrement for months. By now, the uh, rot and filth has suffused its skin. Uh, Even washing it off would do nothing. Uh, Hiding yourself from the smell is the least of your concerns. I fear to be even scratched by the nails of that corpse would be enough to end a man's life like the bo- like the bite of the uh Jalarin dragon uh simply being nicked by it will ensure your death within days hmm. so nash seems to be against or afraid of the idea of uh getting a diseased zombie out to wander amongst um but it is still an option hey i'll be right back I go outside and I take my pants off and I look at my legs and see if I got scars or anything. <laughs> you uh, did not get scratched. You're all right. Okay. Um, he then, or however, Nash then says, and besides, while the uh, axe beak was to be a helpful measure, it has been my experience that the uh, peoples of these islands always built these shrines and temples to the ancient ones with a way to circumvent a way to allow their own people to pass through. Such as, essentially, if you're in the know, then you need not fear. I'm sure there's some way to get past these traps without disabling them. We just need to figure out what about the man and the cro- or the house of the man and the crocodile we need to know to get through these traps. I wonder if the fable of the man and the crocodile has some hint. It could oh. be. 
I figured it out. Yeah, I figured it out too. Celeste is going to carry us all. One at a time. What's up, Chaotic Normies? It's me, your friend Ryan, who plays your favorite bard, Rubear Graysand, on Chaotic Normal The Shattered Isles. Thanks for listening once again. Be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, recommend to your friends, put it on uh, your social media, what you're listening to, your favorite moments, and those, you can send all those um, clips and likes and any questions, concerns, comments, and your favorite homemade cat food recipe send those over to chaoticnormalpod at gmail.com and no new announcements this week still going to keep chugging along on the uh, bi-weekly schedule for now uh, you know people on vacations uh, start unofficial start of summer after Memorial Day hopefully y'all hope y'all had a good long weekend and uh yeah, we're going to keep this up for a while, but if anything changes, I'll be sure to update you. So I'll talk to y'all in a couple weeks. So until then, bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.